You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life and home, as well as give you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created a safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you, bringing you clarity and solution with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to the Art of Parenting podcast. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today I have Rachel Macy Stafford with us. Uh, Rachel and I have never met, but we have been kind of in the same sphere for many, many years. And I was just thanking her for how many years ago she gave me a big boost of confidence because I was just starting out and by her sharing an event that I was having, sent a lot of people my way, and it just was kind of the start of this big adventure. So I have to say thank you, Rachel. Hmm, that means that to me. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you so much for making the time today. I know we've we've been trying to have this interview for a long time, so I'm glad we could make it work today. Um, so thank you and welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to be here. So I always like to start with having my guests define what is the art of parenting? Hmm, I love that question. So I would interpret the art of parenting as something that can't be duplicated by anyone because it's so uniquely your own. I believe the art of parenting is nuanced and it changes per child. And I think that's the beauty of the art of parenting is that it really comes from the heart and it comes from your inner knowing. And it's not something you can find in a book. And it's just, I think that's what the art of parenting is. Mm, that's beautiful. Yet, I know your books have helped many, many mamas. So, um, it's true that it is unique, but I think we also need encouragement from people such as yourself. Well, thank you. Yeah. So before we get started in our conversation, I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Um, so my background is in special education, and I taught children, um, high schoolers down to kindergarten that had severe behavior issues. And I did that for about 11 years. And when I took time off um, to be with my girls when they were born, then I kind of came to a crossroads and I knew that I loved teaching, but I also love being a writer. And it was always a childhood dream of mine to be an author. And so with the support of my husband, um, I began writing um, and publishing pieces that were kind of based on 
things that I had learned as a special education teacher, but also things that I was experiencing as a mom in a very distracted world. So my writings were very much um, from the heart and vulnerable and uh, just an invitation to be with me in trying to grasp what matters in this life that is so busy, overscheduled, distracted, just often pulling us away from what matters. And so just connecting with people online was just really reinforcing to me. And it led to a book deal. And then you know, I'm here. I am writing my fifth book. It's it's going to be published at the end of March, and I'm just amazed at how parenting um, has even changed since I started writing uh, ten years ago, um, and also just how much I feel like people are more open to the complexities and the struggles that we face as parents, and are more open about that. And I love to just be part of that conversation. Yes, yes, and beautiful. And and it's true that, you know, when you say complex, it it is very complex. And and to go back to your definition of, of, you know, the art of parenting, it's complex and unique at the same time. So it's... um, it is. And you, I know you kind of, you know, with your first book, uh, Hand Free Mama, you started really, for me, a kind of a movement of, you know, how do we tune into what matters in this very distracted world? What are your go-to uh, advice for for parents in this day and age where, you know, I feel they're very distracted. And and I'll just go back a, a step. I had a, an interview recently with somebody who is uh, actually writing a book on technology. And for me, I'm, I'm an older mother, I have, uh, you know, young adults, and I grew up with no technology. I mean, there, I, I, I actually have a memory of a black and white TV, if that's even possible, <laughs> many, many moons ago. So the whole, you know, the whole smartphone and technology and all this kind of came into my life with my teenage children. And today, young parents, well, they were born with all of this, right? So they've been distracted from the beginning. And so how do we kind of reel everything back in to really focus on what matters? And and for me, what it's slowing down as well. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great question. And one of the things I think the biggest preventer of having this just distraction kind of overtake your life is just to have boundaries. And you can have boundaries that look like, okay, um, what we do every Sunday is we sit down and we have breakfast together and that is a distraction-free time period. So like maybe you are good about tucking your kids in bed or something if they're, if they're young and you make a commitment that that is going to be a distraction-free time period and zone. So like you know, you can even say, I'm not bringing my phone 
into the bedroom. You know, so you might even have places in your house where we just don't take phones. And I started that early with my daughters when they were around six and nine. And I was very, I call it going public. I I went public with the girls about what I was trying to do. Um, I said, you know, I'm not going to have my phone near me when I'm driving. And that was something I said to them. And of course, you know, kids love to be a part of things and, you know, and they're going to hold you accountable if you say, Definitely. Right. <laughs> hey, I'm always not going to look at her phone, but, you know, and then I told them also, like when we're in a waiting situation, like we're waiting at the doctors or we're waiting at the post office or we're waiting for our food, we're not going to reach for our distractions of the phone or the iPad we're going to use wait time as conversation time. Or when they were little, I would even bring things to like notebooks so we could color and play a game. But just telling the family like, hey, this is this is a ritual or this is something that we do every day that is protected from the outside world. Because when you instill that idea in your children that we are, we're, it's, it's something that we have to do for ourselves. The world is constantly going to tell us that it needs our attention and it's always going to be urgent. And we have to say, no, this is urgent. Spending time with my family is urgent. And I know as my daughters are teenagers, uh, 16 and 19, It's interesting because some of their friends don't understand when they don't text them back immediately and they, they, they get upset or they get worried. And so my daughters have to teach their peers that they, they have time away from their phone. And I think they've learned to do that and they've learned to set those boundaries because that's what we did when they were little and we had, you know, time boundaries, and um, also locations. You know, we just don't take the phones into the bedroom. And so then that really helps kids, you know, sometimes they need that, they need that structure. Um, Because someone's saying, oh yeah, let's, you know, Snapchat all night. And then they wake up and they're exhausted. It's nice to be able to say, Oh, sorry, I don't have my phone can't come in my bedroom. Right, right. And that is, I mean, to me, that is critical in just, you know, being having those boundaries for what matters to us. So, so the, the, the values, right? Because I was um, actually with this other guest who was, you know, talking about how the technology has really worked. Uh, is working against us, right? Because they they they've studied our brains. They know what you know makes us stay there longer, and so forth. And I just you know want to try. I mean, and I believe that we can make those choices, just like you just shared about setting boundaries and having those values, and that in this house 
this is what, you know, these are kind of the rules of operation and, and done with, you know, loving kindness and you're doing it for a good reason. Well, and even one thing that parents can also do is, you know, sometimes there's going to be resistance, you know, they're, they're not going to want to put away the phone, you know, to go on an outing or whatever it is, but it's important to also talk about how you feel when you get that freedom to, you know, be alone with your thoughts or, you know, just to be unstructured and not having to check things or feel the pressure of, oh, I've got to capture this on my phone. I've got to video this, you know, just talking to our kids about, doesn't it feel good to live life as it's happening? You know, you don't have to capture everything. And just to kind of put that idea into their mind that, yeah, this, this feels really peaceful to me versus being tied to something. Mm, so true. So true. And I, I know for me personally, I do every once in a while, I do what I call a digital detox. And I basically delete from my phone all of the social media apps. Wonderful. And it is such a satisfying feeling to delete. <laughs> So, and I just, you know, we'll do it for a week if we're, we're traveling or whatever. I just don't want to, like you say, feel that pressure that I need to document something, you know, I'll still take photos for, for myself, but, um, it's not like, you know, my life doesn't really matter to anybody else but me. So, um, let me live it on my own terms. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, this new book that you are releasing in March of 2023, tell us a little bit about that. So that book is called Soul Shift. Mm -hmm. The subtitle is A Weary Human's Guide to Getting Unstuck and Reclaiming Your Path to Joy. And so initially, when I was working on being more present in my life when my children were younger, I was very thankful that I started to work on, you know, having a less distracted life and being able to have the relationships that I have now with my grown up girls. But throughout that journey, I began to realize there was a lot of distraction going on inside me that has to do with my worthiness, you know, being authentic, forgiving myself, figuring out like what what is my gift? What what am I here to share with the world? And so as I watched my girls grow up and I learned how well speaking to them compassionately and validating their feelings seeing how that caused them to flourish really helped me begin to speak to myself in that way and realize i i need i need this as much as they need this and so this soul shift journey was really a chance for me to change my responses to you know 
uncomfortable feelings or conflicts that came up. And I just, I learned there's power in sitting with those uncomfortable feelings and truths that come up that I would, I would push away because they were too painful. But what I realized, okay, I'm, I'm measuring my worth on external variables, but if I think about what matters to me, it's not money or status or appearance. It's, it's connection, it's kindness, you know? And so it was, it, it was me reevaluating basically how I was navigating life and who, who was I showing up as? And so just soul shift is this process of allowing these painful truths to come to the surface and acknowledging them, listening to them, and letting them guide you toward a path that is more authentic, that is more joyful. And so as a special education teacher, I learned like if you want to change the path that you're on, if you are going down a destructive path, It's not going to be a big sweeping change or an overhaul of your life that's going to create this transformation. It's one small step at a time, one new response, one new choice. And that is what I walk my readers through is this journey, this soul shift journey that to me is a lot like how I was describing the art of parenting in that there's no set right or wrong way to reclaim yourself and reclaim the joy within you. It's your journey, but I am just a little farther down the path. I've I've been doing this now for the last seven or eight years, and it's my joy to be able to walk beside people as they discover what their healing paths are. Beautiful, beautiful, uh, and thank you. And it and it's interesting because um, I've been going through a phase right now of like joy has seemed to escape from from what I've been doing. And 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 I was actually just talking to some girlfriends the other day of you know like we're we're I think we're constantly reevaluating what what brings us joy what 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 is our purpose and and you know i was kind of you know beating myself up like at your age you should know but it's like no why should i right every day is a new day and 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 we have new discoveries and we you know start to do new things and and so forth so that is beautiful um and when you say that you kind of not lost your your path, but you were you know you were kind of um, your your whole worthiness and and all of this. And to me, when you were saying that, I was like, "What you, Rachel? No, that's you know you're you're a prolific author. You're you're well respected and all that." But I guess no, we're not. Nobody is is um, how would you say protected from those thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and what and do you think that this like time in your life coincides with 
your daughters um, maybe starting to leave the nest because they are getting older and maybe are have you know less need for for us. Yes, like the pre the pre empty nester feeling, kind of exactly, and and realizing okay, so my identity is not a mother, you know, my identity is so much more, and just it it has been a time of reevaluating the roles that I have been embracing, which you know sometimes you think about these roles, like one of my roles that I was really great at most of my life is just being an accommodator. And I can always just jump in there and I can help and I can be responsible and I can take care of it. And somewhere along the line, I realized I'm, I'm accommodating at the, and the cost is my peace you know, so here I am trying to keep the peace and it's costing me my peace inside. And so being able to reevaluate these roles that I, I probably started being an accommodator early, like adolescence, I, I'm sure I got accolades for being that person that could get things done and being a good helper. And I, you know, as, as children, we pay attention to, oh, okay, this is um, something that's getting me a lot of praise. And so we fall into that role. And then it's kind of like you, you kind of wake up one day and you say, wow, I'm, I can't be this accommodating <laughs> to this many people at all times. And I've, I've lost myself in this uh, role. And so that's one of the exercises that I do in the Soul Shift book is to help pe people think about what roles did they maybe acquire in their family of origin. You know, maybe they were the peacemaker, um, the child who kind of like calmed everybody down. And then they continued to be the peacemaker as they grew up until they realize I don't need to do this anymore. In fact, this is not helping me. This is hindering me. And so evaluating the roles in our lives. And I think that came as naturally because I was watching my daughters kind of form their identities. Like, wow, you know, I really like the way she's showing up in the world. And it kind of makes you think, hmm, how come I'm having trouble saying no? I just watched my daughter say, this doesn't feel comfortable to me. I don't want to go to the, her house. And you kind of think, wow, that's, that's really awesome. And, you know, our kids can be just as much teachers to us as we can be guiders to them. Yes. No, they're, they're amazing teachers. They're, they're, they're wise beyond their years. And I think we can all take, you know, time to, to relish in that wisdom, um, for sure. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm a strong believer that we are gifted the children that we need also to 
to evolve, just like you have figured out this, you know, this new role for you, like this is through your observation of your daughters that, you know, came and, and, uh, and so what, what, uh, you know, if you don't mind, like sharing a little bit about this process that you take, uh, your readers through, and I know you have also a course that is, uh, called soul shift as well. Like what, are there certain, you know, modalities that you use? Is this mostly, uh, journaling and introspective work? Like what, what is? Yeah. So in the book, um, I decided to set it up like a botanical garden Mm. so that the traveler feels like, wow, this is a really expansive space and I'm here in this peaceful area where I can meander and wander and breathe and there's no set path. It's, It's me exploring. And so I try to have that be a a theme throughout the book. And so I I have this beautiful illustrator that made these very simple drawings and illustrations throughout the book so that people can feel like, oh, this is the kind of book that you write in. And I even have little sticky notes um, inside the book, like pictures of sticky notes, because sticky notes were one of my most powerful tools for changing that self-sabotaging self-talk that I was doing to a more compassionate self-talk. And so throughout the book, they're being asked to basically do these creative exercises. Sometimes they're asked to draw pictures. Sometimes they're asked to write a poem. Sometimes they're asked to write a letter where um, that's in the practice of self-forgiveness. I kind of make a, a, um, a model for them of how to write yourself a forgiveness letter. And so I just tried to have it be as creative and open as possible because I know how I feel if I open a workbook and there's a whole bunch of lines that are blank. <laughs> I just feel, yeah, I feel yeah. like, oh my gosh, there's one more thing that I'm not going to be able to do. And I didn't want people to feel like overwhelmed or like they were already, you know, beat before they even started. So I just think, um, you know, that people will actually have fun with these exercises and granted taking the course, um, is lovely because there is that connection that, that, that real life connection where you're bouncing the ideas off of each other, which I think when we learn and grow in community, it elevates the experience so much for people. Um, but I did try to use some of the examples from my workshops and from my, um, you know, both in person online, because I've learned as much from the people who have participated in the soul shift journey as I've learned doing, doing it myself. And so I hope that the book feels like they're not alone at all. Like they are supported through this journey and um, just learning to 
really listen to yourself. Like, I don't think we have any opportunities really in our day unless we make a very conscious effort to slow down, tune in, you know, and check with our inner world. And that's one of my biggest beliefs is that if you make a commitment to check in with your inner world before you check in with the outer world every morning, your day is going to be go in a direction that really is more meaningful to you because you're dictating your path. You're starting out your morning by listening to your heart. And as we know, the world with its, you know, tight, frantic grip, that it's not going to tell us what's best for us. But if we listen to our heart, there's a good chance we are going to figure out, okay, these are the choices I need to make today in order to thrive. Yes, yes. And and it's, you know, it's so true what you say about starting the day with our inner thoughts of, of, you know, how, how do we want this day to, to be like, what are we bringing in as opposed to, uh, you know, picking up your phone and being dictated again by, you know, what the, the, the dings and whistles and, 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 you know, whatever the it's throwing at you. I, I know I, you know, try to make a concerted effort not to even look at my phone until, you know, I've, woken up, had my coffee, meditation. Sometimes I go for a walk and, and there, I, I don't, you know, I'll be honest, I don't always <laughs> follow through on those commitments, but that is my intentions at least. Yes. And when you, when you went through this process yourself, because I'm, I'm imagining that this came from a personal kind of journey and exploration, were you, was this something that you did uh, on your own or did you have, you know, professional uh, support, whether it's therapist or coach or like, are, are there, I'm always intrigued by, you know, the modalities that people use to, to do this kind of inner work. Yeah. So one thing that I like to point out when I am talking about the soul shift journey with people who are interested in discovering their own soul shift journey is this process really was about a seven year process. <laughs> this is not, this is not overnight by any means. And I'm in fact, in many ways, I'm still in this process of, of getting to know myself and trying to live as my most authentic self and so when I did start the first uh, seven years, it was just me, but I used a lot of my education um, as a special education teacher on uh, just what I knew about changing behavior and creating new positive habits and pathways um, with self-talk. And so a lot of that, it, it, it was trial and error where I might try something. Let's say I realized that I, I was actually sitting in church one day and my pastor was talking about forgiveness 
and he said, I want you to write on this piece of paper who you want to forgive. And the whole time, you know, he was talking about forgiving someone, you know, that had wronged you. And I knew immediately who I wanted to forgive. And I wrote down myself. And that was painful to recognize that I was berating myself for a lot of the mistakes I made when the girls were younger and I did not have the self-awareness that I was beginning to have. And so realizing, okay, I need to be able to set this baggage down. And so that was one of my, you know, I, I kind of like to give little terms to things like I did for my students so we could kind of remember what this is a tool. But, you know, I kept thinking, how can I set my baggage down? And one of the most beautiful rituals that began from setting down the baggage was just having talk time and a, like a little bit of a heartbeat check with my girls at the end of the day. So I would take time to say, you know, I'm sorry if there was something that I did that day that I felt like I needed to apologize for. Um, apologizing did not come easy for me. And, and there were times when I would actually apologize to them for things that happened years earlier. And it was painful that even at f- age four, my daughter Avery could remember some of those outbursts that I had. And it was painful to hear her remember the details. But being able to start talking to my girls about these are the things I I, I regret and this is what I'm trying to do differently. And will you forgive me? What happened over time was they began to be able to confide in me when they made a mistake because I had done that with them. And so learning just little, little strategies like that, that became rituals and tools in my house. Um, that was all these things that I started, you know, once I, once I did write the book and write the, um, the outline for the course, it was like, okay, let me think about all of these things that I did. And, and granted, you know, you don't start out going into those deep, deep parts of yourself, like the self-forgiveness that came after I worked on just being present with myself for a while. And that came after figuring out that I was worthy of showing up for my life. So self-worth, I needed to work on that for a little while. So I have these, basically these eight practices that I worked through. And sometimes I had to come back. You know, it's not a linear process at all. This is just very organic. And a lot of the practices, you know, the practice of presence overlaps with the practice of self-worth, which overlaps with the practice of being your authentic self. And so that's what I, I do love about this process is it's, it can be anything that you feel like, okay, this is where I need to start. I am berating myself over things from the past And I can't have joy in today if I'm still berating myself over what happened. And so it's, it's, 
people, I think, learn a lot through my examples. They might not know, wow, I've lost my joy until they hear me tell the story about how my husband said to me, you're never happy anymore. And for the first time, I was able to hear him and see him. And he was not criticizing me. He was in pain and he was sad and he didn't know what to do. And that was the first time I went, you know what? I can't, I can't say, no, you're wrong. What are you talking about? Because it matched how I was feeling inside myself, but had not wanted to admit And so being able to to tell people about these really painful truths where I recognized there's there's a problem here. There's a, a need in me that needs addressed. People say, oh, it's like looking in the mirror. And they wouldn't have thought of it if they didn't maybe hear my story. And of course, their story is not going to look like mine, but the emotion is it, you know, that's what connects us. They say, I really know what that feels like. And so I do think that's one of the beautiful parts of what I can articulate is just these feelings that are very hard to describe and very uncomfortable. And so I have to be really vulnerable, but that's, that's actually how we connect with people. And that's how we feel true belonging. Yes, yes. And, and, and for me, I'm also hearing just the permission to feel into whatever those emotions are, right? Because I, I feel like our, our society today is all about, you know, being, being fine. Like you, you ask somebody, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. But it's like, let's, let's dig a little deeper. And I know, you know, for, for me, the, the start of the pandemic, I just, I hit like rock bottom. I I wasn't recognizing myself. I was, I was really down. And I remember like, you know, it took me a while to understand that there was something in me that wasn't that, that, you know, that wasn't right. And to, to speak up and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not feeling straight. Like it's not, not, I'm not seeing straight. I'm not feeling uh, straight because I tend to be a pretty, you know, upbeat, optimistic person. And this was, this was not happening. Um, It's beautiful. And and I'm just, um, when I, when I listen to you as well, you have this very soft, caring voice that, that just breathes, uh, compassion, right? You've learned to have that compassion with yourself, whether how hard those emotions are. And I think that is so important because that is what we do for our children, you know, in, in, in just being there for them. And yet uh, we do forget to be there for ourselves. And, and you, you said something um, a little while back about how you know, you observing your daughters um, and how you were, you know, listening to them with compassion and, and empathy, but you weren't doing that for yourself. Is that also how you were raised to not maybe be so in tune with your emotions? Well, I feel like when I think back, um, I heard a lot of um, be kind to others I can't ever remember hearing anyone tell me 
to be kind to myself. Yes. And, you know, so I really, I did become very in tune with how everyone else was doing and feeling and being a good friend and caretaker. But, you know, looking back and realizing, like you were talking about permission, I don't think anyone ever said to me, you should rest or, you know, you've, uh, you know, I don't know, just, I'm just thinking about like, like just being okay with our feelings. I, yeah. I, I feel like oftentimes I, I hear parents tell their children like, you know, to, to, oh, you know, it, it's not a big deal. You don't need to cry. It's, you know, but sometimes I think, you know, and I think I, I, I honestly feel that, you know, our parenting is, is evolving. Like every generation we get to evolve in how we want to parent. Like you've, you've, you know, it sounds like you've taken a big leap from how you were parented. Your daughters, you know, are, are going to be some amazing parents and, and so forth. So we're, we're always, you know, growing, but I think still today we're not giving ourselves permission to really feel into the, the depth of all of, of these emotions. Well, and one of the things that I always hear when I do my author talks in um, middle schools and high school is just how they feel so overscheduled. And I think that also prevents us from really paying attention to our bodies and how we're feeling because it's like you have to push yourself. Like you might be exhausted after school, but you have to go to practice. And so you push yourself. You you begin to ignore your body's signal like, hey, I'm exhausted. I'm getting burned out. And so that's one of the things that um, I noticed. Like I didn't do that as well with my girls when they were younger, but, um, I have a little niece and she's just turned eight, but I remember when she was visiting with her family, um, a couple summers ago and her big brothers were like, let's go to the pool. And everyone's like, yeah, let's go to the pool. Let's go to the pool. And Kate, her face got really red. And she said, I don't want to go to the pool. Um, and just kind of had started having a little bit of a fit. And I looked, bent down and I said, Kate, would you rather stay here and read books with Aunt Rachel in the bed? Because I could see she was very tired. And she like just exhaled and she said, yes, yes. And we ended up laying on the bed and she fell fast asleep. And I remember my own head, my own little taskmaster in my mind said, you should get, she's asleep. You should get up and straighten up the house. And I said, wait a minute, I'm worthy of rest too. And so learning to speak to Kate and, and validate, you know, you're tired, let your body rest and you don't want to go to the pool and that's okay. And then I was like, Hey, I can do that for myself too. Hmm. That, that is beautiful because I'm I'm really hearing this talk, like this self-talk of how we speak to our children. Mm-hmm. Right? We're we're always so kind and and loving and we want to make sure everything is fine. It's like, 
you know, and yet we don't, we're, we're a lot tougher with ourselves. So that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Wonderful. So um, I, I, I'm going to, to start wrapping up just because I'm watching the time. Um, one thing that I like to, to end with is to ask a more personal question, if I may. Sure. So you said your eldest was 19. If you were to think back 20 years ago when you were expecting your first child, what wise words would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? I think that I would tell myself that perfection is not your friend. You think that you need perfection to be successful, but actually perfection will get in the way of your creative endeavors. It will get in the way of your intimate relationships it will get in the way of your dreams and your and being your authentic self and falling and being able to get back up and so if you can i would just tell perfection you're not needed here and i am going to show up bravely boldly flawed and full of hope oh beautiful thank you very wise words. Um, any any parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Oh, I just want you to give yourself grace because there's a good chance you're doing a lot better than you think you are. And I think we tend to look at all the things that we are doing wrong and we forget to look at all the things we do right. And there's hundreds, if not thousands in every single day of things that we are doing with love and kindness and compassion. And so I just encourage people to focus on all that they are instead of what they're not. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you. And that was, I needed to hear that. So thank you. Good. I'm so glad. Yes. So thank you again for making the time to be with us today, Rachel. This was delightful. I enjoyed myself very much. Thank you. Have you been searching for the owner's manual to your child, or did you just misplace it? Are you tired of trying to figure out this whole parenting puzzle, not knowing what to do when it comes to tantrums, hitting or biting, sibling rivalry, potty training, proper sleep habits, or just plain wanting a better relationship with your child? You know, I've been at this for a while now and wanted to share my own parenting manual. It's called The Parenting School, and I've created it with you in mind. Give your child and yourself the gift of mindful parenting in just a few short weeks and discover all the tools you'll ever need to parent without losing your patience, giving in, or worrying that you're messing up. If you're yearning to be more patient and present with your child while finding balance in your own life, then you already know that you need effective parenting tools and ongoing support. You know you weren't meant to be raising children alone. And you probably already know that having the right parenting tools during moments of conflict is the key to staying grounded, responding with empathy, and strengthening your parent-child relationship. 
You've probably sensed that you'd be a more confident parent if you had a like-minded community supporting and encouraging you. Your skills have gotten you this far, but most days you still feel like you're making it up as you go. So here's what I've got for you. Reliable parenting principles that will allow you to finally set boundaries you can confidently uphold, communicate effectively with your child, declutter your home to enhance your child's independence, learning, and family harmony, and find more time to do the things you love. This is what the parenting school is all about. During this digital parenting course, you'll get weekly modules with lessons focused on key areas to get you where you want to be. These modules come packed full of video tutorials, journal prompts, actionable activities, expert interviews, and more, as well as weekly Lifeline group mentoring calls where I answer your questions personally, plus a virtual village with like-minded parents supporting each other during this deep-dive parenting intensive. I'll also include some extra special bonuses to keep you inspired and motivated along the way. So if this sounds too good to be true and you're ready to up-level your parenting skills as well as your family's well-being, head on over to The Parenting School at voilamontessori.com slash TPS dash enroll. That's TPS for The Parenting School dash enroll. To learn more about the, all the benefits of this fabulous interactive digital course I've created just for you. And by the way, I've also added the link in the show notes for you. Looking forward to supporting you and your family. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.